The first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verses 12 to 20, which can be found on page 685 of the Church Bible. That's page 685. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Second, the second reading comes from Acts, chapter 16, verses 11 to 40. This can be found on page one-one-one-one uh, of your Bibles and on the screens in front of you. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, 
These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had become to believe in God, he and his whole family. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they, met, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. This is the word of the Lord. Well, please do keep that passage uh, open before you. Let me just switch my microphone on. Please do have your Bibles open at that passage. We're going to be uh, digging into that as we go through. There was a story of an Anglican bishop 
And as you know, Anglican bishops like to wear purple shirts. And on top of their shirts, often you'll see them wearing uh, a cross. And one day, this particular bishop was working away in his study, busy working away, when he'd been called away uh, to a meeting. And the bishop was about to leave, but couldn't find his keys. You ever done that, lost your keys? I do that quite a lot. And so he called out to his young son, thinking that he'd misplaced them. Called out to his son, have you seen my keys? Have you seen the key? The boy came running in and saying, Daddy, Dad, is this the key? He came in holding a cross. And the bishop took stock and kind of thought for a moment, initially enraged that the boy had come in with the cross and not his keys. And he said to his boy, yes, that's the key. The cross is the key. The cross is the key to everything. Well, I start there because we're continuing our series in Acts 16. And we've seen so far uh, in our series that the gospel, the cross, is the key to this whole book. It uh, unfolds before us. Well, we're on the road uh, again with the Apostle Paul. And what we have before us is a dynamic and dramatic display of the power of God and the love of God through the Word of God. Acts chapter 16 is a remarkable chapter. For in Acts 16, we see Dr. Luke, the man who wrote this letter, slow down the tempo at the beginning. And he's keen to inform us of how this church in Philippi began. And it's an unexpected beginning. This is the only time in the whole book of Acts that we get such intimate detail at the beginning of a church family. And in the detail, the doctor brings before us three individuals, three cases, if you like, for our examination. We have Lydia, a slave girl, and a Roman jailer. Three individuals right at the heart of this chapter. Paul, Silas, and Luke are on their road trip. They've headed from northern uh, um, Israel up into what we'd call today Turkey. They've gone across Turkey to the northwest coast where they get a boat and jump, jump in the boat and head over to Greece, to Philippi. And they sail into virgin territory with the gospel. This is the first time the good news about Jesus has come into Europe. And by the end of the chapter, verse 40, we read, uh, after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, the lady we meet at the beginning of the chapter, uh, and where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. So at the end of the chapter, we've got a house church meeting with at least three people in it. So what about these three individuals that we read of in this chapter? Why does the doctor slow down and tell us the details of this church beginning? Well, could it be that the uh, three people he brings before us are the doctor's favourite patients in the church? Could they be the first century teacher's pet that he's thinking of? Well, it's possible, but probably not. Uh, I think Dr. Luke wants us to see something remarkable uh, going on. Here's the first point. The gospel, the good news about Jesus, must be free from its Jewish constraints. It must be free. Well, we jump into Acts chapter 16, and 15 chapters have come before us. 15 chapters of seeing the good news about Jesus going out 
into the world, spreading the good news about Jesus' life, his death and resurrection is going out into the world. And the good news is this, that the war between man and God is over because of the cross. The cross is the key to it all. For sinners like us being forgiven and brought back into the family of God. Well, this news travels like wildfire, just like Jesus said it would. I wonder if you'd flick back with me to Acts chapter 1 in your Bibles, page 1092, page 1092, Acts chapter 1 uh, and verse 8. At this kind of point in the Bible story, Jesus has been crucified uh, and he has uh, come out of the grave. He's taken up his body again. Uh, and he's uh, been with his disciples for over 40 days. And now Jesus is uh, about to depart and go back into heaven, and he leaves his disciples with this pattern of gospel witness. And speaking to the disciples, he says in chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In uh, Acts chapter 2, we see the Spirit who was promised coming. And they begin to bear witness about Jesus' life, death and resurrection. And by the time we reach chapter 8, so far so good. Flick on to chapter 8 with me and look at verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. So the good news is going out. It's It's got to Samaria. But then the message about Jesus seems to get stuck. And in chapters 10 and 11, the gospel meets resistance. The Jewish Christians, they don't want to go out to speak to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. So before the gospel can be proclaimed there, any Jewish prejudice first needs to be removed. This is what I mean, that the gospel needs to break free from its Jewish constraints. Do you remember Peter the one who denied Jesus. Well, he's now a prominent Christian leader. And even he doesn't want to go out to take the gospel to the Gentiles. We see that in chapter 10, verse 9 to 19. And then God does something amazing. God leads Peter to meet with a Roman centurion, a commanding officer in the army called Cornelius. This was a non-Jewish man with a non-Jewish family. And he and his whole household placed their trust in Jesus Christ. And then flick on with me to Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. Some people come uh, from Antioch telling people that they need to be circumcised. That's what needs to happen to be saved. And Paul exposes this idea and says, no, that's not the good news. That's not the gospel. So they hold their first general synod or Jerusalem summit. And Paul and Barnabas are called to come and present evidence uh, before this gathering. Look at chapter 15, verse 12. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. Well, this council concludes that the good news about Jesus is to go out, is to go to the Gentiles too, that the gospel is now free that it's broken free from any of its Jewish ties or roots. And that's where we're at as we come to Acts 16. So we're on the road with Paul and Silas, and they're boldly going where no man's gone before 
with the gospel. And it's brilliant. Look at verse 13. Paul sets out on the Sabbath. uh, And uh, we're told that they went outside the city to the river where they expected to find a place of prayer. They head outside the city. Well, why is Luke telling us this? He's saying, Philippi had no synagogue. That's why this is important. No synagogue. That means there are less than 10 Jewish men in the city. There is no need for a synagogue. Philippi was a hugely prominent city in the first century. It was the center of commerce, smack bang on the trade route. And yet there's no significant presence No mention of Yahweh, the God of the Bible, being worshipped. So here's the point. People can come to to know God now without the need of a fancy building. We don't need a fancy building to get to know God. We don't need the Jewish roots and its Jewish constraints because the good news is now coming to them. Luke says the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is free and it's breaking out dramatically and we see it uh, through, through Lydia, a woman. We see it through a slave girl who's a slave. And we see it through a Roman jailer who's a Gentile. Do you know, in the first century, the head of a Jewish family, when he would say his prayers, he would, he would thank God and say, I thank you, God, that I'm not uh, a Gentile. I thank you that I'm not a woman. And I thank you that I'm not a slave precisely the three categories that we've got here in our text before us. This chapter couldn't be more glorious. In this chapter, we see the key to life, the Lord Jesus and the cross, coming to a woman, to a slave, uh, and to a Gentile. So that's the first thing. Uh, The gospel uh, breaks any chains or shackles that it has. Now, I don't think we're we're particularly shackled by kind of our, our Jewish history here. But I wonder if their prejudice still kind of lingers. There might be an attitude of that still in the church today. Do you think, yes, the gospel is for people, but only for people like us? Do we think, well, the gospel could be for them, um, but they've got to be like us to come in and worship here. We might not verbalize it as crassly uh, as that, but do we demonstrate that in our actions? Because... I mean, who is it that we would be willing to speak to about Jesus? Are we willing to speak to anyone? Are we constraining the truth about Jesus by not going out to speak to people? I think that's the point. Who would you not be willing to move towards to talk to about Jesus? Well, perhaps there's a challenge there for us this morning. The second thing to see, the gospel's free for all kinds of of people. Did you notice in our reading, these people could not be more different. You couldn't get more three different people if you tried. Here's the first difference. Uh, they're different racially. Look at verse 14. We're told that um, Lydia is from um, Asia. She's from Thyatira. She's a foreigner. We're told the slave girl, we don't really hear here where she's from. It's likely she could have been from anywhere, but she could have been, I mean, it's quite likely she was a Macedonian slave. And there's a Roman jailer here as well. Philippi was the retirement center for the Roman army. So um, when you finished your time in the army, you'd hang up your boots, buy your allotment, grow your vegetables, uh, and get a cushy job. And what better place to do that than on the Greek coast? An Asian 
probably a Macedonian and a Roman. They're different economically as well. Did we see that? Lydia was wealthy. She was a dealer in purple goods, verse 14. Thyatira produced this special kind of purple dye, um, which was the height of fashion of the time. So she'd have produced garments for royalty and for the wealthy, kind of like the modern-day Versace or Prada or, or kind of Gucci. This woman had her own business. She had her own house. She'd made it big time, financially speaking. Then there's the slave girl, verse 16 uh, and onwards, down to 21. She's very different here. She had nothing. She owned nothing. In fact, she didn't even own herself. She had no property. She was someone else's property. And then there's the jailer. And he's somewhere in the middle. Uh, He's the first century middle class. He's not rich, not poor, steady job, cushy, just very different. And they're different religiously as well. Lydia, we're told in verse 14, was a worshipper of God. Presumably she behaved and believed like a Jew, but yet she wasn't Jewish. Then there's the slave girl. Well, she doesn't worship God at all, does she? In verse 16, we're told that she's possessed by a demon. Uh, She's demon-possessed. And then there's the jailer, the the kind of pagan Gentile, holding on to a whole mix-match of religious ideas and beliefs. A monotheist, a polytheist, and an anti-theist in our text. And remarkably, in this chapter, their stories collide as they come face-to-face with Jesus Christ. Verse 14 tells us, at the end of verse 14, it's the Lord who opened Lydia's heart to respond to the message about Jesus. In verse 18, we're told there's a deliverance, there's an exorcism that takes place at Paul's words, casting out the demon in Jesus' name. And then there's the jailer who's converted after the aftermath of an earthquake. Just out of curiosity, any of you been converted after an earthquake? I think it would be a great time to kind of turn to Jesus if you're in that situation. But notice what happened during the earthquake. It didn't release Paul and Silas from prison. The earthquake was for the benefit of the jailer, wasn't it? For his salvation, for the shackles being taken away from him. And he cries out in verse 30, what must I do to be saved? Have you done that? Have you cried that out? And notice the simplicity in Paul's response in verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Verse 14 is there in the background as well. The Lord opens our hearts to respond to his message. Three radically different people, vividly demonstrating that the gospel is for all kinds of people. The gospel is not sexist or chauvinistic. It's for male and female. The gospel is not racist. It doesn't matter what your family tree is or your background. It's not classist. It doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank or how little you own. The gospel of Jesus Christ is free and it's for everybody. It's free, but it didn't come cheap. It cost Jesus everything he had. The Bible says that it's like treasure hidden in a field that once you've uncovered You want to sell everything you have to get it. It's like the finest pearl which you want to strive to get. You'd give anything you've got to have it. Well, is that you? Is that your response uh, to Jesus? 
Jesus? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus first and foremost? Have you put your trust in him? Uh, the one who can save you from hell through the cross, which is the key to life for heaven. Do you know that? If not, today would be a great day for you to turn uh, to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive his forgiveness and his embrace as you come back into the family of God. Secondly, for the Christian here, I wonder if one of the reasons why we're perhaps a little bit reluctant at times to speak to people about Jesus is because we've lost confidence in God's ability to take someone and to change them. Is that us? Have we lost confidence in the power of God to open people's hearts to respond to his message? Do we know the message? Do we know what it is that we're to proclaim to people? Proverbs 11.30 says, The one who wins souls is wise. Well, are you wise to the message of salvation presented here in the Bible? And if we believe that the message of salvation Salvation is what people need to come into contact with. And if it's the gospel that changes people, well, who is it then that you're talking to? Who are you encouraging to come along to church? Who are you speaking to about the next Alpha course or Christianity Explored course or whatever course is being run here at church? Dr. Luke says three different cases uh, put before us. Lydia, a slave girl, and a jailer. Do you want to see the power of God? It's right here before us. This, the Bible, is the power of God. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation. For everyone, first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. It's important that we see how the Lord is at work today. The Lord is at work through the proclamation of the word of God, by the people of God. God is at work through you when you speak his word. That's amazing. As we look at Paul's preaching, Paul's preaching wasn't effective on its own. God worked through it, through what was said. God didn't work directly with Lydia. God chose to work through Paul's preaching. And it's always the same. It's the same today. The Lord opens the heart to the message of the Bible. And she responds in a pretty amazing way, doesn't she, this, this woman? The Lord opens her heart, and then she then responds by opening her home. And we see that with the jailer as well. The jailer responds, the one who locked them up and put them in the shackles, now took the shackles off, and he washed their wounds, we're told, in verse 33 and 34, and then took them home to cook a celebratory feast because God had made himself known in the jailer's life. And their whole family was transformed and filled with joy. Total transformation. The gospel's free from any constraint. The gospel's free for all kinds of people. And lastly, and very briefly, the gospel will always be opposed by people. Just take another little look at this deliverance of the slave girl in verse 16. Paul says, once when we were going to this place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners. And she kept on shouting after Paul, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept it up for many days. Finally, Paul had had enough at this point and commanded the spirit to come out of her uh, in Jesus' name. And the spirit 
left. I don't know how you picture this girl, kind of standing outside her gypsy caravan, shouting after Paul. But after her deliverance, after this exorcism of the spirit, what happens? Her owners are furious. Any hope of making money has now gone with the evil spirit. Reading between the lines, this girl's now useless. She was probably discarded by her owners, no longer bringing in any cash. And verse 19, Paul and Silas are now seized by the owners, dragged into the public square, and these trumped-up charges are are put forward. Uh, The owners, the crowds, and the magistrates all conclude what they've done is illegal. This is illegal. We need to get rid of these people. So they're stripped, verse 22, they're beaten, uh, their backs are bloody, they've been flogged, and thrown into prison. They're taken into the inner part and put in stocks. Well, imagine this were you. How would you be feeling at this moment? You're in prison, uh, you've, you've had a good hiding, your back's bleeding. Uh, I don't know about you, if this was me, I'd be sobbing. I think I'd be, I'd be really, really uh, upset and feeling very sorry for myself. But these guys, verse 25, tell us a very different story. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners in the prison were listening to them. Isn't that incredible? What an amazing response that the gospel does. It transforms uh, people. And the other prisoners, instead of hearing the moans from the pain of Paul and Silas, they hear delight on their lips as they're singing and praying uh, to God. The joy of the gospel. What a witness to the love and power of God. Well, we've read what happens to the jailer. But the gospel will do two things. It'll always do two things. First, people will hear the gospel and it will bring life. And it will transform people gloriously, as we see here. And the second thing, the gospel will always be opposed as well. And in both, God is completely in control. We can trust him uh, in, in those times. So the gospel pattern was this. The gospel stirred up trouble in Jewish territory and it did the same when it came into Gentile territory. The gospel will be gladly received by some and vehemently opposed by others. Through the message of the gospel going out, sometimes the messengers will suffer. It's a great reason to be praying for your leaders uh, uh, in your churches. And let's, let's encourage you, if you're someone who's speaking to people about Jesus Christ, be encouraged Press on. Keep on speaking to people uh, about Jesus. The Bible says, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Yet do this with gentleness and respect. Because people will be opposed to the message that we're saying. You will be rejected and yet some will believe. And that's the kindness and grace of God at work. So don't be surprised when opposition comes. Don't be surprised. Oh, that's perfectly normal. That's the pattern we see here in Acts going forward. Well, we're in injury time. Uh, I know that. But the end of the chapter is incredible. Just to see this. These guys are acquitted of any illegal activity. They've done nothing wrong. Uh, they've only done what's good, true, and beautiful. It's, incre- uh, it's absolutely incredible. But yet, in verse 39, they're still asked to leave the city, uh, which is amazing. 
But before they go, they go back to this house church, which we read in verse 40. They go back and see Lydia. And I imagine at Lydia's house is the jailer and his household. We're not told from the text, but I also think that this slave girl who's been rejected uh, by her owners was there too. And Paul and Silas are able to go there and encourage them in the good news about Jesus. That actually what they're experiencing is the pattern of gospel witness going out. Let's finish with Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 once more. Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we have good news of great joy to proclaim. We thank you that your gospel transforms lives. Please help us to be confident in your words, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen.